0: Hi, I'm Rachel Goodwin and I'm a channel and healer who loves to teach and empower others. My work is about teaching you how to make a strong and powerful connection with your divinity, your divine spark, soul, higher self, whatever you want to call it, and then bringing that divine power right smack centre into the middle of your life so that it mixes and integrates with your everyday life and your everyday self. It creates an overall rising of vibration and is where my path and yours has always been leading.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, call my, yeah, ah, kaha, boo, i, ka <death> <Instr nuanceumu> hima, <Isaiah> Hei a ke kaulalopi ana, e koopu ka ai. Haina mai ka e ka liko
0: Hey, everyone. Well, I've just been speaking to Joel Beverly, just done a great interview, and I'm really excited to be able to share this all with you. So Joel's written a book called Our Teams, and it's his vision that he had whilst meditating in Mexico of how we can do something different. So, I mean, come on, we all know there's big problems with the world, right? And if you're anything like me, you go, oh my God, how is this ever going to get sorted out? Kind of, we can see the problems, but then what do we do? Now, from my end, I work with Earth Ascension Clearing, I work with Vibration, I work with doing Healing. But it's really nice to have a book here that combines the spiritual side of things, and things are a little bit more practical and pragmatic. So here's some of Joel's bio for you. He's an edge walker who has united the worlds of spirituality and economics, combining them into a brand new system that he has called our teams. He's not simply a visionary with a dream. He's a leader who has created a path for redefining the economic structures of the world. Beverly grew up in one of the poorest areas of the US, and he's lived through extreme socioeconomic challenges firsthand. After paving a different path for himself, he became a serial entrepreneur, creating many different companies and hundreds of jobs in his community. So we have a man here who's got a foot in both worlds and this is what we need we need people who can dream new visions for where we're going and you know as Joel talks about it's not all going to come at once the solutions aren't going to all come at once but bit by bit by bit we stand on each other's shoulders and get closer and closer and he has a lot of really interesting things to say to so come and hear some different ideas today get some new thoughts perhaps, and join in the conversation with us. Here it is. Hello, so welcome everyone to today's episode of Sacred You, and I have with us today Joel Beverley, who's going to be talking about his new book, Our Teens. Hi, Joel.
2: Hey, Rachel. How are you today?
0: Well... It's it's really grey, miserable weather. So I'm trying to ignore all the sort of the rain on the on the window, looking at me. And it's like it's much more cheerful in here talking to you, actually.
2: <laughs> well, good. You know, I I would totally agree because it's it's grey here in Kentucky, also. So it's uh yeah, it's it's nice to see your brightness. So. <laughs>
0: Thank you. So you're in Kentucky. Are you traveling about at the moment?
2: Uh, no, that's where I've, uh, I live. I've, I've actually okay. lived here for 46 years. It's where I'm. Yeah, it's I've I've never lived anywhere else. So uh, thinking about changing that at some point, you know, just to get out and explore a little bit. But yeah, no, I've I've been here all my life.
0: Wow. OK. And how are things there with the lockdown and everything or not a lockdown, maybe?
2: Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's a mixed bag. Uh, I mean, as, uh, most everyone knows, right, it's a political year in the, in the States and, uh, uh, it became a political issue, which made it complex. Uh, so some people are against it. Some people are for it. Uh, but, but overall, like in the grocery stores and restaurants, you know, people wear masks, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, somewhat, uh, you know, I actually just got back from a little vacation in Florida and, and there hardly anyone is wearing masks. Uh, you know, it's a you know, it's it's a different uh, vibe altogether. So it's kind of uh, even on state levels, they kind of are kind of pushing their own agenda, uh, whichever way. Uh, but it's a uh, you know, it's been interesting, you know, uh, for myself personally, I've kind of enjoyed it. Uh you know, I, I think it's a good thing for the world. You know, I think it's just shaking us up a little bit and maybe awakening us to a a, a different reality. And uh, so, overall, I think it's been a really, uh, you know, obviously a very hard thing for you know, especially people who have lost people during it. But overall, for humanity, I think in the end, it's going to be a good thing for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You yeah, know, I'm, I'm I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping so and yeah so I'm thinking of two things um, after what you said and one is yeah it has been really interesting how something which is a health crisis has become so heavily politicized and how does that happen how does you know some virus going around become politics but but there we are and then yeah the other thing is yeah I've been imagining that in a lot of people's minds now even if it's unconsciously, they're going to be wondering, wow, what are we doing to the world? What are we doing to the ecosystem? Perhaps something's going wrong here. Perhaps we need to do something different. And that's why I think this is a really, I mean, I know you didn't plan it this way, but I think it's a really good time for your book to be mm-hmm. coming out because I think there'll be more people who are receptive to um. Hearing the message of your book but before we get on to that I just I wanted to hear a little bit more about you so you're from Kentucky now you know I'm British and America's a really big place mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know that much about Kentucky apart from I know I've heard of Kentucky fried chicken because it's a franchise do you want to tell us a bit about Kentucky <laughs> and what it's, what it's like there
2: yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, it's it's landlocked, so it's it's not near the sea, right? Uh, which means in the states that were more conservative, uh, you know, it's the uh, uh, the Atlantic and the Pacific coasts that are more liberal, you know, in general, right? The larger cities, um, so more interior. So the state Kentucky is a conservative state overall. Uh, you know, uh, sparsely populated. Uh, you know, it's famous, more famous, I would say, well, KFC is definitely the thing that everyone knows, but, you know, similar to Scotland, we're, uh, we're an alcohol producing region of the world. Bourbon, most bourbon in the world comes from Kentucky. Uh, and horse racing is the other thing, you know, the Kentucky Derby is probably one of the most famous horse races in the world. Uh, you know, where I'm at is actually in the mountains and, uh, it's more similar maybe to Wales because we had a lot of coal mining here. So a lot of, uh, unions formed around that and a lot of just kind of hard work, uh, in this area of Kentucky that I live in. Uh, so it's mountainous, not very much farming or anything like that. And it's just kind of, uh, kind of tough living in some ways. It's, uh, you know, there's uh, not much besides the coal mining and it's kind of leaving right now. So we're the, uh, secret, we're the second poorest con- congressional district in America, uh, you know, for myself, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't, you know, we didn't have running water, we didn't have a toilet, you know, we had an outhouse, and we got water out of a well that, you know, we carried to the house. So it's kind of a different reality, reality than what a lot of people probably think about America, uh, where I live. So, so yes. which, yeah,
0: yeah. So I think a lot of us think of big cities,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and so did you grow up in the sort
2: of living in a mountain area? <clears throat> yes, yeah. Uh, you know, no other house. You could see no other house from where I lived. You know, we lived in a holler and we were the last house. And, you know, everybody that lived nearby were our cousins, our aunts and uncles. Yeah, uh, you know, double first cousins. You know what a double first cousin is? No. <laughs> That's uh my my mom and her sister married my dad and his brother. So so gen- so genetically we're brothers and sisters my double first cousins are you know. So uh so yeah so very remote very tight knit uh you know it's uh very different than the reality of what most people would think of in America. So but there's a lot of that, right?
0: Yeah. So yeah that's it i mean in each in each state it's like a different country really in america isn't it mm-hmm. it's just it just all happens to be part of you know united states of america but i mean that's why it's it's hard for like someone like me who's not great on geography anyway if i'm honest but to kind of get my head around like the differences yeah
2: yeah 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 Yeah. so it's yeah no no doubt it's it's very complex and you know and and as opposed to Europe you know where you know in England it's it's mostly English right historically uh or Spain Spaniards right but in the States you know all this it's a melting pot of all these different people who've come together and uh it it can get a little more messy at times (laughs) you know so it's uh yeah
0: yeah Yeah. but I mean even 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 with that, because like um here in Denmark, the Danes tend to refer to Great Britain as England. And that's always been one of my things. I like, go, actually, it's the United Kingdom or Great Britain. And they and look at me and like I'm confused and I say, well, there's the Irish, there's the Scottish, there's the Welsh. They don't want to be called English and because the English have a very different like social identity, really than than Mm. the other countries like my family we come from like poor peasant irish stock and you know they they have a huge resentment the irish um of like london and the houses of parliament like ruling it over northern ireland and you know but that's it when you get into the all of these things it's the same in in every country there's there's so many things that from the outside looking in you just you don't realize you don't realize all these things are there
2: Hmm. yeah no doubt it's it's actually one of the reasons I'm interested to go somewhere else and live uh you know for a bit you know and just to kind of uh you know me and my partner are thinking about Malaysia or uh or Croatia or Mexico or just you know going somewhere different and uh and, and getting a different vibe at some yeah. point so
0: yeah the mountains don't sound too bad though that sounds it's like, is it is it pretty where you are
2: Oh, it's beautiful. yeah, I know it's beautiful. Yeah. Waterfalls, beautiful mountains, uh, great hiking. Uh, yeah, it's really uh, you know it's the Appalachians that we're in. so it's yeah you know, one of the more diverse uh, places in the world you know where I live uh, with salamanders and frogs and bats and uh, the, the vegetation is just amazing. so uh, I'm, a, I'm a, bio- <clears throat> a biologist by trade so uh, so yeah, I know it's an, an amazing place. Uh, to live, so
0: yeah, I, I I remember reading that when I was reading your book last week. You were saying you mm-hmm. you specialized in bats.
2: Hmm. That's it. Yeah. No, I've been studying bats for over twenty years. So, uh, uh, you know, and created a business around that, and that's that's what I've been doing for a long time. And and that's what, uh, kind of what uh, kind of having a business and not having any business experience or know-how I that's kind of one of the reasons I burned myself out quickly and and uh kind of found a new space that that is our team's kind of
0: wow so I mean you know how have you come from a boy growing up in the mountains to to where you are now do you want to just give us a a sort of a condensed version of how that happens
2: yeah yeah totally uh well I uh you know, again, uh, gr- growing up very poor, and uh, you know, not hardly any in my family went to you know college or anything like that. And um, got lucky and met a uh, had a few nice teachers in high school, and uh, they put me on a path. And I went to college, and um, you know, I had no visions of coming back home, really. You know, uh, but just the universe pulled me back here in some way. And uh, I got a job as, as a bat biologist right out of grad school. Uh, so I came back to the area that I was from, uh, and, and quickly, I realized that I didn't like working for other people. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, the companies I was with at the time just wasn't a great fit for me. Um, so, at, so at 28, I, I, you know, I'd learned enough about bat biology and I was like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to work in the summer. Cause you can do contract work for these bats, make enough money. And I'm going to go to Mexico for, uh, the rest of the year. Right. And just live on the beach and kind of, hang out. Uh, and I was 28 then. So I, so I kind of started a business then and, and it quickly got very, very busy. You know, I just, uh, uh, I'm not very good at business, but I like talking to people. So uh, be, because of that, it, it it kind of took off and I've been riding that wave now for 18 years. Uh, but, and, 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 and quickly, you know, I, you know, I met a, my, my partner at the time, and we also had great visions of the community. You know, it's a very small community here, so we so we opened a bar and uh, and a kind of a coffee shop restaurant, just as a space for the community to get together. Uh, you know, we always said that we wanted the the tree huggers to have a space to hang out with the coal miners, and uh, and it and it was a really beautiful thing for a long time. <clears throat> Uh, but during that, you know, we just, we had a lot of fun, you know, we, we were having dance parties and hot tub parties on most nights of the week. And we were, then I would get up early the next morning and do biology work and, uh, then be up all night studying bats the next night, you know, and it was, uh, uh, so it was amazing. But in some ways I was just, uh, there was no direction. I was just going, uh, I was a hamster on the wheel, just running and, uh, and at some point I got tired, uh and at that point that I got tired, I, you know, a lot of things happened. Uh, Like uh, my marriage started falling apart. I, I had an affair that quickly turned bad. Uh, My dad died. And four months later, my mom died. Uh, A few months later, I got skin cancer. So all these things, and it was right when I turned 40 and it was just kind of, the reality that I thought was world just kind of my world just fell apart. Right. That, uh, that structure that I had been sewn into just kind of shredded in some way. Uh, and it was from that space, you know, and at that time a a friend introduced me, uh, to a book, uh, full catastrophe living, uh, which is a, uh, kind of a, uh, kind of a medical type stress reduction based meditation technique, uh, that was developed. Uh, in the late '70s, here in the U.S., uh, and now they do classes all over the world uh, using that. Uh, and she gave me that book, and it was just a kind of a, a eureka moment. I was like, "What the fuck? You know, why why hasn't anybody told me this shit? You know?" And it's just like uh, I, I saw the world from a different perspective. You know, I saw the world looking at me. You know, and I just saw the world in a totally different way than I ever had, you know. So instead of a hamster running on the wheel, I was observing the hamster running on the wheel, you know. Uh, and, and you know, and then that quickly got me on a path of learning, wanting to learn more, right, because in that there was freedom in some ways. So, uh, so I quickly just, you know, that moment, uh, I read that book in just a few days and I found a place uh, I just started looking all over the world for places. They were doing this eight week class and I signed up immediately for one in Washington, DC, and I just left. And I went there and spent two and a half months just kind of meditating and just being. And, uh, and then from there, I've just evolved and, and, and our teams is basically, you know, as I was diving deeply within myself uh, you know, and this might be a good way to get into the, our team's vision, but it was, I, you know, being a biologist, you, I always say that it's kind of the world's worst profession in some way, because you, you look around and you see the world crumbling, right? The species are going extinct. You know, I just, uh, you know, I cite an article in the book about, uh, 40% of the insect species in, uh, Europe, you know, could be gone in 10 years, you know, uh, and that's happening all over the world, you know. And it's uh, the Amazon is getting cut so quickly. So we're doing these things that make no sense. And as a biologist, you just are just sad. But most people are just trying to get to the football game, right, and eat wings and uh, have a beer, and and are just disconnected from that reality. Uh, and I've always had that issue with it. And I and at some moment, as I was meditating and in this space, I. I I realize that, right? That's, we're all so disconnected from reality that that's why we're doing the things that we're doing to the world, right? It's not because we're mean or evil people. We're just, we're in a societal dream in some ways. And so breaking out of that dream and into true reality is the key for the world to be prosperous and to go forward more of us need to break out of that societal dream and and wake up to the beautiful reality around us.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um, so many people are caught up in this cycle of just trying to survive and just trying to get through each day. Um, That sort of having any resources left to worry about the fact that the world is, you know, falling apart is just something people – many people can't take on but I do think I mean I tend to um, work a lot with people who in the new age community and as as you said in in your book you know many of us are working towards our own spiritual and personal growth and again there's not so much left over for you know the bigger the bigger world out there but it is it is a particular interest of mine what's happening going on with the ecology and all of these kind of things but I just I just wanted to take you back to something you said that I thought was quite interesting because you know from how you describe yourself and you know I can see from your personality as well you're a very inspirational sort of person you have a lot of energy and but you said you're not good at business so how does that, how does that
2: work? Is that true? Oh it's it's totally true. Well, you know, I would say that I'm I'm good at business. Uh I'm uh I, I like uh ideas, you know, and I like uh visions of uh of uh things, you know, changing reality. Uh but I'm I'm not good at numbers. I'm not good at uh in some ways I'm not really good at a lot of things that business requires, but I'm I'm good at talking, you know, uh, and, and then, and I, I wouldn't even say I'm good at it. I enjoy it. You know, when I, when I meet you and after we're finished with the interview, I know, I want to know a lot more about you, you know, and, and that's, so when I meet somebody in the business world who I work with, I'm not interested in the work that they can give me. I'm, I'm interested in them, you know, and, and if you do that, you're going to be successful at whatever you do. Right. And, I've just innately really interested in people, so
0: yeah. So I, I I would have to say that I don't think you can say you're not good at business. It's just those things to do with numbers and that you just you just you know you give that to somebody else to do. If you're an entrepreneur, you don't need to be good at the numbers and and all the rest of it. Like mm. <laughs> it's not it's not I, the I, most I, important. i bit. that out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> so the world yes it's a big it is a it's a big topic isn't it what are we gonna do about the yeah. world
2: well that's uh yeah that's the uh so that's the vision of our teens right uh and I and 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 it comes through the, the book in some way but you know so the so again, the biggest issue with the world right now is that most of us, you can use whatever word, you know, are trapped in the societal dream, are asleep, are are, are cut off from the true reality around them. Otherwise, we wouldn't be shitting in the bed like we are, right? We would not be doing uh, the things that we're doing to this planet, you know, Um uh, So the, so, and the other biggest issue with the world is that we've, we've created a system to where the, the global elite are making money hand over fist in this situation. Yeah. With this sleeping masses, you know, they're just who, that you just jolt them a little bit with some media and they're going to go buy whatever, or they're going to go do these things that really aren't in their interest, right. Go eat that hamburger, that Uh, that means that we need to cut down more Amazon to have more cows, you know, to, to feed us. Um, and so, so, and, and the thing is, nobody is wrong in this situation. You know, it's not like those people are evil. It's just society has evolved to this space to where we all are doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing right now. You know, right now the corporations are doing what they're supposed to be doing. The, the appropriate amount of the Amazon has been cut down but it's at this moment that we need to wake up and to change you know to get more in line with true reality and from this moment right now to to not regret anything that we've did in the past but just in this moment to be here more you know and and not have any judgment on what we need to do what we need to do but if we can just individually become more in the moment uh, as a humanity, we will slowly start turning things around to where the the consciousness level of the planet will rise to such a level that it will just be natural that we will start making the right decisions. Uh, and and I think so. That's the first step is for each of us to start turning around ourselves. Um, and and not to create a a fantastical new system of anything because if we do that now it's just going to be another fucked up system you know it's uh so in some ways we need to perfect ourselves right we need to break out of that dream and 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 the issue is this is that it's it's difficult right because you know i grew up very poor and i know that it's Uh, people are scrambling, and they're fighting just to survive. And we've been in this dream for so long that we think it's reality, you know, and it's, and it's really hard. And and that's why, you know, the so so thinking about all that together. That's, that's why, you know, while meditating, I was actually in Mexico, just hanging out on a lawn chair, and, and it hit me, it's just like, you know, how do we create a system that that both helps awaken awaken people, and also creates a new elite class, right? And 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 the, the idea was, is this: to you know, we start with a beautiful seed of eleven people, and you know, just imagine the most beautiful person you can imagine, you know, uh, whoever that is, uh, and imagine those beautiful people each then selecting eleven people, and. Those uh, 11 people, there's only two requirements that one, uh, they had to cover a specific field, you know, whether it's government or the environment or spirituality or whatever. And the other one is they have to be outside of that societal dream, right? They ha- they ha- had to have done the work that's broken them free of that. And they're operating more from compassion and love and in the momentness, as opposed to fear and thought. So, and then those 132 people, the original 11, the seed and those, the 121 that's as it grows, those 132 will form what we're calling the council of the aware. And that's who will lead this kind of going forward. Uh, And then those 121 that were selected in the first kind of growth level, will each choose 11. And at that level, there's also two requirements that you know, if it's an environmental person, for instance, they will choose six of their choices will be environmental people, and this, in some ways, will be their cabinet to make choices, right? So, you know, do we want to save the Amazon first, or should we save the Great Barrier Reef first? You know, making those types of decisions, they will be the ones who kind of help do that. Uh, the other five people could be anyone, <clears throat> and uh, and that would bring in. 1331 more people and and the beauty of the system is this Rachel is that after only eight layers of development you know very quickly there's how many people would you suspect are in the system and I know you've read the book so you uh (laughs) this is a test (laughs) I am so
0: bad with numbers I just (laughs) fall straight out of my head I'm guessing it's a lot
2: It's uh, so, yeah, after only eight layers, it's, you know, 2.6 billion people. So, so a third of humanity, you know, and and the only requirement for those other rounds is that people have to be operating from a, from that outside of the societal dream in some way. And, and the, and the vision is this is, and at each level what we're going to do is we're going to give people where we're developing a cryptocurrency right now with some just really amazing high-end people that are gonna have baked into this cryptocurrency the, exactly the things that we think are great for the world, right? like building in a UBI that will help support the people who are most vulnerable in the world to give them that space right? to then to break free, right? because we all need just a little bit of space you know, between those thoughts to start seeing the beauty that exists here, you know, uh, but if you can't if you can't get that space, it's it's impossible almost to find it. And uh, so we're going to create a beautiful cryptocurrency, and we'll give those first eleven people a big chunk of it, you know. And then that second, that first layer of development, those hundred twenty one, we'll give them another chunk and own down the line to where. And this is how the the elite of the world will change, right? All of a sudden. Instead of Jeff Bezos uh, or Elon Musk being the richest guys in the world, it would be somebody who's much more compassionate, you know, and on a different path and sees a different vision of the world. Uh, And at some point we see this cryptocurrency being, you know, very, very valuable because we think that people are going to see the value and wanting to have a currency that supports uh, humanity's growth. And, uh, and we based upon that, we feel that people are going to want to get into the system. So at at some point, you know, after probably the I'm feeling the fourth or fifth layer of development, uh, because up to that point, most of the people getting to the our team system will already be operating outside of the societal dream, right, it will be, you know, a beautiful person selecting a beautiful person. But at some point, you know, if I got into the system, for instance, you know, I may know five people, right. Who I feel are operating outside of that space. So then it would be up to me to find six more, right. Or to help an individual kind of understand what it is, right. And help break them out. Kind of like my friend helped break me out of the, uh, of the dream. Uh, And it's at that point that the world will start changing. Yeah. We're, we're calling that point, the, the artemic tipping point, because you know everything is energy, right? Everything is you know everything in the universe is just matter and energy, and uh, and right now we're operating at a certain energy level uh, because you know anger and angst uh, are a different energy level than compassion and love. We we know that, right? You you go into a room and you meet two people and ones each is operating from those two spaces and you feel the energy of those beings that so what we feel is that after some point when we start people coming into the system are actually going from that societal dream and that hell that they're existing in to just to start experiencing that freedom on a small level that's when the world will change because the energy level of the planet is going to rise at that point and it'll be something that could change very quickly. Uh and uh so that's our vision anyway, you know. And in the end it doesn't matter, right? It's all going to be as it needs to be. So there's no pressure.
0: Did you say that this came to you while you were meditated in Mexico?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. My it was uh my my partner was actually uh sick and in bed and uh we had a a, a very nice room that had a uh Uh, a balcony with lawn chairs on it and just looking at the Pacific Ocean. And I was just having a beer and just hanging out and just kind of, you know, a lot of my meditation, and we'll get into that in a little bit, is it doesn't have to be on a cushion, right? Uh, Meditation is basically just taking in the full reality, you know, around us, right? You're aware of the feeling of on your, on your skin, right. The, the sunlight hitting that tree over there, the, your thoughts, your emotions, you're, you're fully aware of everything. And that's meditation, you know? So, uh, beer tastes best while you're meditating. And, uh, so it's, uh, was just having a beer hanging out and yeah, it just started hitting me. And I quickly grabbed a notebook and just Pretty much wrote down the entire system, probably within two hours. Okay,
0: (laughs) wow, (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah, just the
2: outline of the entire system, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really that's really interesting because you know it's one of my personal beliefs that is using these kind of like I don't know if I was to group them all together, I'd probably say altered states of consciousness, whether it's meditating or journeying or when people are doing healing or whatever but those things that come to us in those (laughs) inspirational times I think that is what will save the world as it were and and the problem that a lot of us have is like we see the world and we go my god what you know like I said you know what do we do about this because it, it it just seems so huge and one thing that I really liked about your book is like, I think maybe the the first half of it, you are you explain really well what it is that's going wrong. <laughs> and there's some great references in there from Marianne Williamson and other people. And it's just, it's just like what has become so heavy and dense, and what is really going on. When I when I read all that, it was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's it was just it was just it was just much clearer. Um I mean I, I work with the energy of it and with like earth healing and stuff like that, which is another sort of vibration itself. But we work, you know, in the groups that I do, we work through all of this stuff um vibrationally. And you know, yeah. I'm very good at being an empath and working with all the emotional stuff, but it's it's really great to sort of read something that, that lays it all out like that and just and just yeah, kind of says yeah. it. So I would really recommend people read read your book just for that alone, just to read the first part of it and just you know, it's because it's quite an objective look about the way our society is structured and everything's for profit and you know, and, and just explaining some of the detail in that. I did start doing economics when I was at school. But I dropped out. I dropped out of mm. school when I was yeah. 16, so I didn't get too. I didn't get too far with it. And again, it's quite complicated. But when when mm. when I read how you wrote it, it all seemed quite simple to understand. Actually, you, I thought I thought you did a really good job.
2: Yeah. Well, th- well, thank you, and uh, and good. I'm I'm glad. Yeah, that's great to hear. Mm. Uh, and, and what you said there, uh, uh, th- the idea that what's going to save the world is going to come out of that space. You know, that uh you know, I, I call it a, a dance, kinda right. You it's 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 a dance of you kind of get into a relaxed space and you're experiencing everything, right? Your thoughts, your emotions, everything, right? Anything that you can experience you're just with. And and in that space, there's something that happens, right? You you I can tell that you know what I'm talking about by the look on your face. There's there's something that's beyond words that happens there, and yes, it's and that's when things start coming to you right that's when that's when true reality and and freshness is available and and because the thing is the the old shit of the past which is everything that we think right every thought that we think we've been conditioned to think that and and it is not going to save us you know so we've got to move beyond the thought and get to that dance to where Things are just popping up and that and it's all fresh. Yeah. And in that freshness, yeah, will be the thing that saves us, whatever that is.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's it. And it's like I know all the people are out there that are needed to find the solutions to all of the problems that we have with our environment and with our economy. And it's just a question of kind of like what you're talking about, of getting to the right tipping point where they can access. That in themselves, and then be able Mm -hmm. to bring these solutions out. So every time I see somebody, um, there's another guy like um a lot, Charles Eisenstein, I think his name Mm -hmm. is, and he 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 has done quite a lot of talks and things at the Finthorn community that I was mentioning to you in um Scotland because they 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 teach quite a lot of um, like eco courses up there. People, you know, go there to learn how to build houses and that sort of, in a way that's ecological and friendly for the environment and stuff like that. So, and it's like the more people that come out with solutions, the more people can get a picture in their mind of like, oh, things can things can be different. We don't have to just. Because of the amount of people that just enslave themselves just so that they can keep buying new things. It's just, to me, it's just like, I just go... I mean, it is kind of like that in Denmark. My son, when he was five years old, he went to the school across the road. He's not there now because he's been diagnosed with autism and ADHD now, and he's at a special needs school where he's much happier. But when he went to the school across the road, they gave him an iPad when he was five years old. All the children in that class got given Apple technology at five years old. <laughs> and I was just appalled. I was just like, what kind of budget are they, they spending in this part of Sheyland in, in Denmark? And just like, it's just incredible. Those children do not need an ipad but that's how it is in Denmark everybody nearly that's how it looks to me I feel like I'm the only person who has an android phone it's like you know but just like they they feel like that that standard of living is necessary for them so people work they work really hard both parents work and they spend a lot of money on stuff and it's like I don't get it I you know
2: well they've they've been trained well
0: yeah. You know, yeah. We,
2: we've, we've, we've each been trained. We're, we're only like a accumulation of our experience. Right. And mm-hmm. at this point in time in your little town in Denmark, they've been trained to, it's a capitalist world and it's, uh, they've been trained to have the most current technology and that's the reality. Right. And if you don't have that, you're, you're, you're something's wrong with you. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the thing that we need to break free of, right? It's like that you don't need that. You know, it's it's fine if you do have that, but yeah. you don't need that to, yeah. to
0: absolutely fulfilled. And I don't, I don't really mean to pick on, you know, where I live in Denmark. I just this is this is what I see, and I know this is the reality in a lot of you know better off countries. And I mean, I worked as a psychiatric nurse many years ago, and I worked. In private hospitals, and I also worked in like a prison environment. So I saw both ends of society, and I also worked in the health service, so I saw the middle as well. But I sort of it was seven years of like watching people from every different strata of society with mental health problems. And I can I came out knowing this that it did not matter where you were in that social strata, you were gonna have. problems (laughs) you're gonna have mental health problems I saw people coming from really wealthy families who were so emotionally poverty stricken it was untrue their lives were so intensely miserable and then I you know I also saw people who had who had had nothing and that was you know also very miserable for them but it was kind of like I was so surprised to see that having money or not having money it kind of like it wasn't the thing it wasn't the thing that was actually causing the problems it was like it was our own what was going on inside of us you know
2: yeah well I I would say that both situations cut uh cut you off from your true self you know because it's, uh, you create thoughts in your head, you know, I would say uh, being rich is worse than being poor in some ways, because uh, being poor, you don't have a phone or you, you know, you're so you're forced to be a little bit more in the moment. Uh, although when you're very poor, it's easy to get trapped in the the thought process of like, why am I poor? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm lesser than right. Uh, both have issues. But that's the problem is we get cut off from our true self. So for anyone in that situation, in my opinion, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but to, for them to heal, they need to touch their true self, right. To cut through that, that, that training that they've had their entire life. Right. And society, we've been training ourselves for thousands of years to be exactly where we're at right now. And it, it's going to take some work and some energy to move beyond that. Uh, but that's really the, the step that we need to take if we, if we want to get where we, where we need to be.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. And then, you know, if, if, if you're a person who can't get enough to eat that day, they're not going to be able to, like, focus on retraining anything. And, you know, that's where us as a society, we need to help each other. And, and not allow that to happen. That there's people who haven't got enough to eat or haven't got, you know, enough to live on. And like, mm-hmm. so I, I grew up in the UK, and I'm 50 now. And you know, when I was a kid, the rich-poor divide was smaller than it is now. It's 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 grown much larger over those those 50 years, and that's really heartbreaking. It's like, come on. So what? We're we're going backwards now, are we? It's
2: like, yeah. no, we this can't be right. We have yeah. to do something about this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 46. I'm we're in a very similar space and and in our lifetime things have really gotten much worse, you know. I mean, in the, the 50s and sixties, there was there was a there's a, there a greater tax base, you know, for our countries uh, to do good, to help poor people out, to help you know, put them on a path to where they could succeed, uh, and that's slowly, especially here in the states, been whittled away for the last forty to fifty years, to where it's just much less of a tax base now. And and you know, and and that's the thing is, if you have the the biggest megaphone, you can really push. You know, and even you know, again, I grew up very poor, and some of my very poor family, uh, when they see like uh, helping other people out, even though. You know, I grew up on government cheese and, you know, and things like that. You know, they say now those people need to help themselves. You know, they need to do it themselves. And it's just uh, we've been trained so well to to hate people who have less. And and, and you're right. Right. It's we, we need to help people out to give them an opportunity to have just a little bit of space to to see a greater potential. And, and the thing is, if we do that, then society is just going to take off because these people are a drag on society, right? They're confused and they are slow, holding us back in some ways because they're not reaching their full potential. If uh, and that's a majority of humanity is in a space. It's not like Denmark or the United States, right? It's it's most of the world is in a tough space to where they're a drag. So if we could take this this Y- yoke off of their shoulders and they could just kind of stand up straight and just kind of bloom into who they totally are. And that would be most of humanity be doing that at the same time. And it's at that point that we'll just create a new world and things will just, will all get, you know, pointed in the right direction and we'll, we'll kind of move to where we need to be. We'll take our rightful space as, you know, humans, you know, and quit acting like confused animals, you know, at this point, we're worse than animals, right? Because we're very, very confused by our thoughts. Uh, An animal will go and do exactly what it needs to do to survive. We're confused, you know, we need to, to, to slow down and become unconfused.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking about this crypto currency thing right and i know i know nothing
1: mm-hmm.
0: about cryptocurrency i just read it and i just go oh god what is this what is this all about you know tell me in like a really simple way what it what is cryptocurrency
2: well, well the original, original vision of cryptocurrency is that it's it's outside of uh, of a central authority in some ways, right? So, so currently we, you know, the dollar, the euro are, are printed by central banks in those places and the same with Russia or China or wherever. And, and so they control it. Uh, so the idea was basically these, you know, these computer geniuses, you know, it was the question was, how do we figure out a currency that humanity can have that we can control that's outside of these powers that be uh and and that's what it is so so the way they did that and there's a number of different ways they do it but but basically it's computers around the world uh like bitcoin for instance which was the first cryptocurrency uh you have current you know if a transaction if i had bitcoin and i want to send it to you which i could Right now, you know, I send it to you in Denmark and you would get it in seconds Uh, for that to make sure that's secure. You know, there's all these computers around the world that basically validate that single transaction. So it's not just one space. Right. Right now, we trust that middleman to make that for us. Right. The bank Uh, and the bank will always take a cut out of it. Right. With this system, you're kind of taking out that middle person and it's so it's direct person to person. And that's you know, and that's kind of one of the interesting things about it. Uh, but you know, the, the the beauty that I see in it though is that you can create that what I just said, but you can bake into it beauty, right? You can from a space, right? You get into that dancing space of meditation, and you're like, what what is the beauty that we could put into this? And you bake it into it, and and then it's computer code, and it's the most the closest thing we can get to a trustworthy system that can be produced uh, where do,
0: where does it get its value from
2: where does uh where does gold get its value because there's a group of people say it's valuable right uh you know whether it's a shiny piece of jewelry or whatever right but
1: huh.
2: you know as as quote as, as i said in the book you know salt you know 2,500 yes. years ago was the yes. was the most expensive commodity in the world. Uh, but, you know, only until we decided how to get it out of the oceans did it become different. So it's uh, a, a cryptocurrency is valuable because people see the beauty in it and the potential in it. Uh, you know, for Bitcoin, for instance, there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins in the world. At that point, the computer code, shuts down and there's no more. So in that way, it's, it's much more finite than gold even, right. Or Mm -hmm. something else or a dollar or a Euro, which, you know, uh, especially at this point, central banks are just printing it out left and right, you know, to try to get us through this pandemic. Right. So, you know, so that's one of the things that people see as valuable, right. There's only going to be so much of it in the world and thus it has value uh the other thing that makes it valuable is again as i said before i can right now i could send to you bitcoin and it'll be there in a few seconds and then you could go and go get some fruits and vegetables to have for dinner tonight
0: but how could i how could i use that bitcoin to pay for it if the daily supermarket doesn't take bitcoin
2: uh well that's that's changing quickly but uh but currently you would just get on an exchange you know you just at this moment, the way it works is you just tie your bank account into an exchange, Coinbase or a number of other exchanges, and you know, so you on this exchange you can buy Bitcoin, but you can also sell it, right? So, I could send it to you to your Coinbase wallet, and then you would simply just transfer that to dollars, and and then go use your debit card to get your your fruits and vegetables. So it's so it's that easy, you know. It's it's. Uh, and, you uh, know, again, it's, you know, there's, again, if you're trapped in Malaysia, and you need to get out, and you need some money, it's it's a different world. Now, you can just get it immediately uh, on your phone, you know, and, and that's, and that's why it's valuable, right? It's like, it's creating a paradigm to where you're not trapped, you know, you're not not 1982 and you're not getting traveler's checks as you go to, uh, you know, on your little vacation to wherever, you know, it's, it's a different reality. I, I had a friend who went to Japan and he only used cryptocurrency on this entire month long trip there, you know, just to, uh, just to see if he could do that. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's the wave of the future, you know, whether people see it yet or not, you know, it's going to be something like that. Mm. and, 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 for our teams, you know, but, the, you know, the problem with Bitcoin and most cryptocurrency is it, it the market has got cornered again. Right. It's the current market is cornered by the United States and Europe and other rich countries of the world. The 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 Bitcoin now is cornered by, you know, ultra wealthy who bought in early and are now kind of controlling the market of that. You know, that's the difference with our teams. We want to not make people buy it all. We want to give it you know, to people. And uh, you know, our idea is to be inclusive, rather than exclusive. Uh, and part of the way that we're going to do that is, you know, the original 11 that we talked about, two, two each will be on each populated continent of the world, uh, except for Australia, which will get one, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, and, and the idea here is, then it will just start growing from those centers, right? So Africa is not going to be left behind like it has been left behind, uh, poor areas of Asia and South America. And uh, our vision is to spread it to poor communities as much as possible in those places to where all, uh, all of a sudden it's going to be more of an equal world, you know. Uh, so, so that's our vision.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's really interesting. That's probably the first time I've sort of got some vague notion of what cryptocurrency is about because, you know, like I said, I'm an energy worker and, you know, I tune into things as energy and our current money system has so many negative <laughs> thought forms within it. So I work with um, like a room mm. system. And, you know, it's a rune system from, like, a long, long time ago, before we had money or anything. But there is a rune in it that represents, like, wealth. It actually means domesticated cattle. (laughs) And it looks like an S that's sort of where the arms are going up, and it's called Fay. And, like, when I tune into the energy of that, I can feel the abundance in that rune. But it doesn't have, I'm sorry to keep saying this word and swearing, it doesn't have all that shit that our money system has in it. So when it comes up yeah. and I can talk to someone about, you know, their creativity and their ability to, you know, manifest stuff for themselves, I can talk through this energy of the room say, without having to get into all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, it's just, you know. I know that, you know, it's not a good thing to hate money and all the rest of it, like, if you want to have it. <laughs> yeah, but on the yeah. other hand, it's is, it is difficult for me to, like, energetically connect with the money system because, because energetically it's, my God, you know, it's got some really severe problems. So it is interesting to hear about another system. But I guess I guess do people buy cryptocurrency with money? though. So,
2: yeah. 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 C- currently. Yeah. It's just, you can exchange, you know, just like gold again. Right. You yeah. know, if you have a pound of gold, you can go exchange it for whatever amount of money. Uh, yeah. If you have one Bitcoin uh, right now, you could go exchange that for $35,000, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, uh, yeah. So you could just exchange it however yeah. you like. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, I- I've said a few times that if our teams is, if our teams is successful in the way that, that I see it potentially be successful, you know, there'll be no need for money. You know, uh, we'll all be operating in, in unison together. And if you break free of that societal dream, you don't really need a Ferrari, you know, you don't really need that, uh, that fancy piece of equipment when you're five years old. Uh, you know, it's, uh, and so at that point, money will have a different reality and we'll just start taking care of ourselves instead, right? We'll we'll absolutely. feed everybody, we'll have clean water for everybody, and 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 money will be much less and it may not even be an, a thing anymore.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. And that and that sort of takes me right back to sort of like my original joy when I was a kid watching the next generation of Star Trek with um Captures Jean-Luc Picard in there and on earth in that time that they're talking about in this science fiction program nobody has money people are (laughs) nurtured for who they are and they bring out their gifts and share their gifts with society and there's no need for money because everyone is being nurtured and cared for and people just give what they have to give and you know so i must have been i don't know about 12 or something when i was watching the next generation i was like oh yeah that's you know and i'm a little bit like a star trek has sort of turned into quite a violent program now where everyone's shooting each other but um yeah that's sort of like my original dream from star trek that you're talking about though <laughs> well it, it's uh,
2: well yeah that's that, that's so cool that it's on star trek but it's it's uh it's totally you can imagine it right you know again yeah. it's If we all break free, we don't need anything, right? If you totally break free, you don't need anything. And you kind of just want to be, you know, and you just want to be in a meditative space of totally experiencing. And when you're doing that, you want to talk with people and bring up beautiful things, you know, but you don't really need a lot of other things. Uh, And that we could get there, right? And, And if we got there, imagine again, just like on Star Trek, everybody's working in unison to do a common thing, right. For humanity, you know, and it's at that point that we may be like star Trek and we start exploring the universe, right. Because we're all working together. And if all humanity puts their energy and their vibration in one direction as a way, as opposed to it being nationalistic and divided at this point, we'll, we'll kind of do whatever we want to do, you know, and we'll create whatever beauty we want to create. And we'll, and we'll just kind of start, becoming explorers, you know, Uh, it's, I think it's our, it's our next step.
0: Yes, absolutely. I had one thought though, when I was reading your book and you talked about the first 11 people who's going to choose the first 11 people, where's it going to start?
2: I trust you, Rachel. I'm going to let you choose those people.
0: (laughs) 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 And also, <laughs> those first eleven people who you would want to choose—would they want to be spiritual leaders?
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a—it's a right, you know, because most spiritual people just want to hang out and chill, right? You know, they just want to—they just want to be in the moment and just like enjoying that vibe, you know. But but I would also say this that uh, it's when you get to that space. Also, there's some people who like to enjoy that vibe and just kind of explore. Right. And our teams is a way to explore reality. And, and I can see some people being interested in that. Um, so, but, uh, but the, yeah, but that is our big thing. Right. You know, I always, when people say, well, who are you talking about? Like, I'm like, oh, the Dalai Lama. Right. You know, and it's like, well, how are you going to get the Dalai Lama? And that's, and, and the way we're going to do that is by having conversations, you know, and you know, like right now, it's just just on our social media through the book. You know, people are just reaching out, and they want to be a part of this. And they're asking, "How do I become a part of this?" And and the, and the way is to be a part of the conversation, you know, because uh, you know, I don't have all the answers, you know. Uh, our team doesn't have all the answers, but together we do, you know. And and you know, it's like. Going forward, I feel like you'll be a part of the conversation with us, Rachel. And and that's how it's going to grow, you know, it's just by people being a part of the conversation and it spreading and then people seeing the potential. And, you know, and it, it may not be the Dalai Lama, but it may be the most, you know, another beautiful being, you know, somewhere in Asia, you know, that'll be one of the two that 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 sees the potential in the system and wants to explore reality through the art our, our team's angle. You now
0: Well, I, I I definitely think that you know having more and more of these conversations is the solution because then um, it opens up our minds and even if we we have a conversation where we think no that's not it quite often then something else will come into our head where we think ah that instead it, it gives us something to to hit up against anyway mm-hmm. so just just having the conversations is just the start of how we're going to solve this and it takes away that burden of we can't do anything this is you know in insoluble of course it's not insoluble you know I, I believe we're sparks of the divine <laughs> and mm-hmm. each of us have got our you know own part to play and together we can do it
2: uh, yeah I totally agree yeah we just uh we need to let people know that they're sparks, right? They need to realize that each of us individually have to realize that we're this beautiful spark that you talk about, and and when that happens, that's when the energy will change, and will, you know, again, that will 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 change the world in that way. We'll change reality.
0: Well, I'm really excited to have had this conversation with you today, and I, I believe it's the day Donald Trump has left office. Is that right? And Biden has <laughs> come in. Is that true?
2: He's got, uh, he's got three hours. I'm sure, sh- I'm sure he's okay. like, yeah. he's like, they're like, he's clawing, uh, to not get out of the white house, you know, it's, uh, uh, but yeah, at 12 o'clock it's supposed to happen. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, a,
0: it's a historical day today for the good old USA.
2: It, it is, you know, it is, you know, it's, uh, again, I, 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 you know, I don't hate on Trump like a lot of people do. He's just a product of the society that he was raised in, you know, so I have compassion for him and, uh, Uh, you know, and, and I hope that this time is the space that he's going to have after the election will be time for him to, you know, heal in whatever way he needs to heal and maybe see a new light, you know, I I hope that he can get there. Uh, so, but yeah, I know it's a, it's an historic day and, uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, what direction the country goes in, Mm -hmm. uh, forward.
0: So. So if people want to um, see more about your work, there's the the book that's on Amazon, isn't it? So it's A-R-T-E-M-E-S. Is that right?
2: That's it. Yeah. Our teams. Yeah.
0: And you're on Facebook with the same name?
2: Uh, yes. Uh and if you go to our website, that's probably the easiest way because if you if you go there you can get access to uh the book uh and the uh Facebook and Instagram and other things. Uh and the and the address is www.rteams.global. So oh uh,
0: that's nice. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> so uh so yeah, join the conversation, you know, reach out, you know, people can can find me there, you know, to message on social media and stuff and uh, be a part of the conversation, you know, uh, push into true reality and just let's see what we can create, you know.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Well, thanks for your time today. It's been great talking to you.
2: It's a pleasure. Yeah, you're, you're awesome. And uh, I appreciate you giving me the time.
0: Okay. <laughs> thanks very much. And bye, everybody. Bye for now. Bye.
1: A o hei wale ana oe e ka liko pua kukui Kuhi a o kaona ia a ka te momore i ka himanao i ka Kōhāloaia Hei a ke kāula lō pi ana He kōpū ai Haa mai ka pu kāhaliko kaha pili koloa ia Kapalili, ke kaolalopi ana e kohopu ka puana e ka Oh hey hiya e ka Ku aloha hia, e kaula <laughs> lo pihana, he kohupu kapalili i, haina mai kapuana e puakuku'i. Hey no no na no. ka o e